0: Hello and welcome to Fucked Up by Faith. My name is Jude Mills. In this podcast, we have conversations with people who've been fucked up by their faith and we explore how they've found hope, healing, reconciliation, and forgiveness in or out of their faith tradition. My guest today is Jet Black. And Jet is a good friend of mine. We've known each other for several years um, as members of a, a Facebook group that, a group of autistic women. Um, and I don't know quite how long we've known each other, Jet, but quite a while, at least. That's
1: seven years. Seven years,
0: yeah, something like that. And unlike a lot of my guests, we, ha- we have actually met in person <laughs> more than once. <laughs> um, we shared a very wonderful Lebanese meal together once in London, which was yes. fabulous. Um, Jet is, uh, how would I describe Jet? Jet is an artist in all possible media that you could imagine. She often shares her uh, textiles and her knitting and pottery and writing and. Uh, Drama and any way that you could possibly express artistically. I'm pretty sure Jet does it, and uh, she's an incredible energy, I would say, a wonderful conversationalist, and most excitingly, my first Jewish guest. Uh, not intentional, but the first Jewish person who's actively volunteered to come and be on the podcast. So, welcome, Jet. Thank you. It's good to see you. Yeah, yeah. It ah. is. <laughs> Ditto. So I'm gonna start as I always do by reading a poem. And this poem. Oh, hold on! I've pressed the wrong thing. I'll edit that bit
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to look too unprofessional.
0: No. Well, you yeah. know. So this um. This poem is by Denise Levertov, who's one of my favourite poets, and it's called Freedom. Perhaps we humans have wanted God most as witness to acts of choice made in solitude, acts of mercy, of sacrifice, wanted that great single eye to see us steadfast as we flowed by Yet there are other acts, not even vanity or anxious hope to please. Know of, bone doings, leaps of nerve, heart cries of communion. If there is bliss, it has been already and will be, outreaching, utterly, blind to itself, flooded with otherness.
1: Ooh. Mm-hmm. And her name is Levitov. Levitov, so she's She is Jewish. Yes. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you for that. It's mm-hmm. um, there are a few words in there that really pinged with maybe the stuff I'm going to talk about. Good. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Who knows where this is going to go? I always
0: like to choose poetry that is apt to the conversation. Of course. So, jet how have you been fucked up by your faith
1: Mm. okay so um my faith is for me quite a loaded word um Mm. i feel that i've been fucked up by the religion i grew up in yeah um hmm. and i'm still being fucked up (laughs) hopefully that'll come out later on in the podcast in the in the interview um so I grew up in um, an Orthodox Jewish family, and sometimes when people say Orthodox, other people think they mean like um, Haredim or, um, I can't think of the word right now, but you know, ultra, ultra Orthodox. Hasidim. Yeah. thank you. Yeah. So we were not Hasidim, we were not Haredim, we were not ultra Orthodox. We went to a regular um, shul, synagogue, a uh, very beautiful one um which sort of pulls at me in different ways because it's a, a conserved preserved whatever building uh it's got a conservation order on it or something yeah. it's the oldest shawl in liverpool it is very very beautiful and for me that's a really lovely part of the religion i grew up in mm. and some of the songs and some of the prayers that i know might not be able to say them but i I hear them and they touch me yeah so I'm not I kind of feel like most of the time I've thrown the whole baby and bath water and the bath in fact the whole house out (laughs) um and then there's other times when I go oh do you know what I do have Shabbos candles candlesticks um very very occasionally I might light Shabbos candles and I know the blessing to say and um you know, I went to a Jewish school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liverpool didn't have a Jewish school some time before me, and then, you know, at the age that I am, there was one, so that was where I went. Um, but in in that space, I was often considered not Jewish enough.
0: Right. Okay. So I
1: have a little anecdote about that where um, I was being provocative. And you know me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not an unexpected thing for Jet to do. I wasn't Jet then. I was still Julie. But anyway, um, it was a science lesson, a biology lesson, to be fair. And we were passing around these, these large, um, like, perspex, not perspex, that's the right, resin yes. blocks that had various shellfish inside. And we were looking at them, mm. Train. And for those who don't know, shellfish is considered treif. In other words, you just don't eat it. It's not kosher. It's a, an abomination, or whatever. But you know, we regularly went to Chinese restaurants, and we went abroad, and we'd eat all sorts of things in um, in France and in Spain and wherever. So my family was not did not keep kosher at that point. And so anyway, I picked this, I don't know, lobster or whatever it was, up and went oh, I'd love to have this on a plate right now. <laughs> no, not herbs, deliberate. Very okay. Deliberate. Right. You know, and... I, what I didn't have in my mind, like, I am going to mess up this class of... Some, some non-Jewish kids, some much more Orthodox than me, and some, you know, the same or whatever. You know, it was a range. It wasn't like I was the only non-Orthodox or non... Mm-hmm. Following or whatever person, but there's one girl who um, she was like, you know, the, the 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 brightest girl in the class. She ended mm-hmm. ended up going to Cambridge and, um, sorry, another train. Um, turned round very huffily and sort of drew herself up and went, "I don't know how you can call yourself Jewish." <laughs> Bear in mind, we we're about. 14 or something at the time you know we weren't like in our 30s or 60s and I remember having this like huge like bubble of I don't know rage or anyway whatever come up and I I don't remember if I said anything or what I said but inside I was like I call myself Jewish because I am you know it's not it's not a debatable fact it's not about practice it's about heritage Mm -hmm. and it's about culture, and it's about the fact that back and back and back and back, all my ancestors, as far as I know, were Jewish, therefore Mm -hmm. I'm Jewish. Get off your high horse, Mrs. (laughs) I didn't say all of that. But I think one of the things about being Jewish is that it's, I think, unique in being an ethno-religion, or Mm -hmm. I don't quite know the anthropological terminology but basically it's not just about whether or not you eat kosher and whether or not you pray on Shabbat or whether you know it's not about the practice that's about being religious so I'm not religious but the ethnic side you know got Jewish blood in me (laughs) it just is it's there and the the cultural side the heritage means a lot to me so my divide is 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 down that sort of um line um Hmm. and over the years i pulled further and further and further away from the religion as did the majority of my family you know some of my family are even further away and all my immediate cousins who have married have married someone who wasn't jewish okay um so, you know, it's not just me. Um, as far as I know, well, yeah, I know. Um, I'm the only homosexual person in the family. So, I'm, I'm a lesbian. And obviously, that doesn't sit well with traditional ideas. Um, but again, you know, my mother eventually came around to it. Um, other people in my family found it harder, and other people in the family didn't find it hard at all mm-hmm. so you know again it's it's not a static thing and I, I don't think any religion is you know I don't I'm not going to comment about other religions but certainly Judaism it has to change and I think often with the orthodoxy that it's a bit like the conservative mindset of you want to keep things as they as they not just as they are as they were back and back and back Mm -hmm. and it's like it's to me it's not really it's not realistic it's like you know we drive cars it's not a labor to drive a car to a synagogue on a Saturday Mm -hmm. but it's still deemed to be uh work Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't do it so to light a light you know there are still people who have what, what what are called Shabbos goys yeah, so that's yeah. the neighbour who isn't Jewish, who comes in and turns your cooker on or turns your light switch on. And you're like, seriously, like, I you can switch light on. It's right. not work. It's not like you have to fan the flames and cut the wood and, you know, so. Yeah, I only heard
0: that term very recently, Shabbos Goy, um, because I was watching something about the Hasidic uh, Jews in, in New York.
1: Oh, right, yes. And,
0: you know, having, I mean, the, the, the people, those who have money, you know, are able to pay someone to be there and 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 us to do everything, basically. Switch yeah. the switch the bathroom light on and off and, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it's, yeah. anyway, that's a whole other thing. So when I was growing up, uh, we had, I think, if I remember rightly, when I was very young, we had separate meat and milk dishes yeah. and we kept kosher in the house. And we had separate dishes for Pesach, Passover, mm-hmm. because what you're supposed to do, and we probably did it a few times, is literally clean out all your cupboards. If you're really on it, you're really religious, you go with a candle and a feather and mm-hmm. you make sure all the little corners of the of the cupboards haven't got the odd little grain of what's called hamets, which is um, leavened bread. Mm-hmm. But it could be a cracker. It could be. I don't know whatever <laughs> you know it's not going to be a great big slice of, of uh, mother's Probably. pride or something <laughs> so I don't think we ever did the sort of the feather and candle stuff but we did change the dishes for passover and then mm-hmm. change them back after and um I still have the dishes that we used for passover I just have them as dishes and they're beautiful they, they came from my dad's parents my dad's mom um so again, I, it, it, uh, I when I start telling these kind of things and I think back and I think, oh, the things that pull into my heart mm-hmm. are to do with the connections and the history and the culture. It's like I go, in Nottingham, there, there isn't a Jewish deli or anything, you know, mm-hmm. just about got one and a half synagogues. Um, so when I go to Liverpool or if I was to go to Manchester or London, You know, you see me heading for the Jewish deli because I want my fish balls and I want my chopped herring and I want my bagels. Don't want them all the time. And once I've I've had them, I'm good. You know, and go back to having, I don't know, sweet and sour pork or whatever. (laughs) Um, You know, and I say that to some people, they just get, you know, to them, it's just normal. Say it to someone else and you see the shock on their face. So it makes you feel ashamed you know it's a shaming thing i don't think they do it deliberately but
0: they're shocked at you saying that you would have sweet and sour pork is that what you mean they're
1: shocked shocked that yeah that that, that i don't keep kosher for example um Mm -hmm. that somehow or another seems to be quite an important line Mm -hmm. which in my logic and as you know i'm very logical (laughs) um doesn't make sense at all I think there are other things that are part of Jewish practice that should come higher up the scale Mm -hmm. so there's a bit of it I think that's also about how you are seen by other people Mm. Mm. and that gets into the very fucked up bit (laughs) as you can imagine Mm.
0: I mean it's a huge part of a lot of um the cultural aspect of of probably all, all all religions to a certain extent, isn't it? Is how, the, how you're expected to behave, um, or to be seen to behave. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> um, and, and and certainly from what I understand, from you describing it and from other Jewish friends describing it, is that perhaps because in this country where where Jewish people are in a minority and quite a close-knit minority still you know that that visibility is maybe more heightened you know um or yeah oh gosh yes i mean
1: it's probably impossible to get pork in in israel i don't know can't remember probably isn't anyway but israel is predominantly jewish and muslim and then Yeah, I know there are Christians there, so there probably is pork there. But, you know, it's not going to be on every menu, for sure. (laughs) But, you know, a niche dish, uh, as with seafood or whatever. Anyway, um, the point I was trying to say is that we started off fairly religious, in, you know, religious light, let's say. And we got lighter and lighter. So we celebrated Hanukkah. And I would get, you know, we'd light the candles and we'd I know, sing the songs and, and we'd get Hanukkah gelt or, or little presents or something. Um, but I also remember maybe when I was quite young, probably when I was quite young, that while we didn't really do Christmas, we sort of gave a nod to it, which yeah. to me seems like now I, if I could, I would just totally avoid Christmas. To me, it's like the whole of English, British, non-Jewish society crashing down on me and telling me you know on the 25th of December sorry (laughs) the whole world is doing Christmas like you cannot avoid it so for me it's like this weight but we'd have like a little stocking and we'd get some presents but our birthdays were much bigger yeah and I remember being quite shocked when I started meeting people from all sorts of different um, backgrounds that for a lot of people Christmas was the biggie and the birthday they'd get you know they'd get yeah. this but on Christmas they get this and this and this and this and this so that to me seemed a bit mad because it's like no that's my day my birthday's my day yeah I might share it with a few of people but you know <laughs> anyway it's so particularly um, yeah
0: over... if you've got a Christmas birthday
1: <laughs> well <laughs> and many people do yes they, or do. they have a birthday in that region because yeah. it's you know it does it's not just even one day is it um so over time we gradually drew further and further away and and sort of have a vague sense of it taking a long time before my mum would have bacon or my parents would have bacon in the fridge Mm -hmm. but they would eat it or they'd keep it in a special container so it didn't sort of contaminate the rest of the fridge and you know so it's like I don't know it's like getting out of treacle or something like you're always going to have little bits sticking to you aren't you um but then you know coming out as a lesbian and I've never had a relationship with another Jewish person which I think I'd quite like if they were my kind of Jewish (laughs) um yeah yeah it's weird and it's, I find it, I do find it quite fascinating that everyone of my generation in my family who ha- there's me and, me and my cousin Dan who have not gotten married and he's in his mid 40s now, so it could still happen. But, um, so he moved to Israel because he wanted to live a Jewish, more Jewish life and he wanted to find a Jewish girl or Jewish woman. To marry that hasn't happened yet um and the rest of them just married whoever they met and they all happen to be not jewish and as I say I've I've not had relationships with anyone jewish so yeah i want mean, that's another interesting thing i find here i meet people and you know we're chatting we're getting to know each other and at some point or you it know, might crop up it's not the first question i ask and they go oh no um, you know I'm, I'm not christian i'm like okay so what is your background oh well my grandma used to go to church and, and my parents sort of my parents got married in a church And you're like so i understand that you're not a practicing christian but ethnic, ethnically and culturally you are sorry because it's sort of it's sort of like the the default so you can ignore it and you know people will say about themselves that you know that's their entitlement I'm not gonna but there's a bit of me that always goes do you know what I know I understand that but any understanding you have of anything is coming through the filter of Christianity oh absolutely it's not coming through the filter of Judaism which changes things and and not realizing that is a little bit oh, I don't know I don't feel wholly comfortable with it I can't well, say it's anti-Semitic because it's not actively but there's a something there of not noticing differences and
0: well it's like you know it's like anything isn't it if you talk about you know anything which is deeply ingrained in culture or is systemic or institutional you know people are not deliberately anything generally people are not usually Unless they are deliberately well, yeah. racist or deliberately anti-Semitic or even believe that they that 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 is is ingrained in them uh, until they start to deeply examine it, and when they're ready, if to, they start to deeply if, examine. Exactly, yeah. and absolutely, I hear what you say. So you know, people who are you know who haven't been practicing Christians and maybe even their parents weren't don't identify as Christian, but that influence has come through for centuries and, and it's not something that people examine.
1: No, so in terms of my sort of, I don't know, journey or whatever, I I sort of knock up against the religion in, in various forms at various times in my life and when I first came to Nottingham, which is close to 30 years ago, um, at some point in the first year or two, I thought, I'll just go, I'll go and check out what's what's going on here. Not because I wanted to join, absolutely not, but I've just had no curiosity, whatever. And there were, oh, there still are, two shuls. So one is uh, orthodox and uh, one is I think it's called liberal. Mm-hmm. I get confused between liberal reform and progressive, but they're all variations of not orthodox <laughs> and or levels. But anyway, so the the Orthodox shul was more or less the same as the shul that I grew up in, not nearly as beautiful, but a similar style, possibly even a similar age of building. Um, The women sit upstairs, the men sit downstairs. Even on a Saturday, um, it's virtually empty. And I'm not sure how much you know about Jewish services, but... um, you need a minion, which is 10 men, 10 bar Jewish men, yep. to hold a service. And I, I didn't go into the ins and outs of it. I guess they had 10 men there because they, they were holding a service. But there might have just been 10 or 12, you know, and it's a shul that will take a few hundred people. Mm. And there, there was, I don't know, half a dozen or a dozen women upstairs. And certainly in, in the show that I grew up in, the women were upstairs, the men sit on, let's say the men sit on the left, their wives or, you know, family will sit upstairs on the right so they could see each other and vice versa. Yeah. And then there's a bit at the end where I don't know who sits up there. There was, a, there was always a bit of me that was like, oh, that's an exciting place. Like, who sits there? Anyway, yeah. Um, so that sort of faces the the the, the ark and the and the yes. um, the bimmer and So on.
0: visitors go anyway, there.
1: Anyway, I went, the and mind. in our in our synagogue there was always this sort of rustling. You know, particularly on the high holy days, you get a lot of people coming, and they're all dressed in their finery. Um, because middle class Jews do that. Well, I guess middle class everybody's do that, don't they? You know, we're going to show and, and you know <laughs> Mrs. Rosenbaum and Mrs. Uh, I don't know Kaufman, you know, they're gonna see that I've got my new <laughs> dress on and my new hat. Um, but there was always like the women were not actively included, you know, brought into the service, they were just there, they were supposed to sit and stand at the right times, so they were supposed to say certain prayers. Most of them, particularly the ones older than me who didn't even go to a Jewish school, were like, you know, we're just here. So they'd they'd be nattering away and they'd be gossiping and they'd be whatever. And so obviously that's what I grew up with. like women go to shul to gossip and the men downstairs are busy praying. And quite often, you know, the rabbi might have to go. mm, (laughs) Which is. I I don't know I don't know if that happens in in churches but anyway so you know that probably didn't help with my sense of this isn't for me I don't believe in it Um, we had in 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 school because it was a Jewish school so a lot of Jewish kids who don't go to a Jewish school go to Haida which is like Sunday school but uh, for Jews and so they learn all their hebrew language and jewish stuff at fader so we had it at school so we didn't have to go to Gede, Phew.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: um but another thing is just how in the orthodox tradition how very um sexist it is you know it's so binary it's so like the men do stuff and the women look after the house you know that's the tradition that's been brought through from, you know, the shtetls in Poland and Russia and mm-hmm. beyond. And um, and they're still sort of doing it, but sort of like not recognising that we're not there anymore and we're not in that time anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, the boys would all go for their bar mitzvah lessons and the girls would go to a class which was called Eishit Chayel, which means... Um, a worthy worthy woman or worthy wife yeah it, it's definitely worthy it's not even mm. like I don't know whatever so and, but it was all about making home it was about how to uh, kosher a chicken and how to I don't know like Shabbos candle the, the the tasks that women have to do predominantly in the home yes um that was what we were I mean I can't even remember what we learned because I was so like switched off already um in my era very few girls did bat mitzvah and then the other thing which is very relevant currently you know to now is that there were several shores in liverpool it did at one time have a pretty large um jewish community it's very very much dwindled now um even manchester which was always a bit bigger has dwindled <laughs> and they've all gone they've either left the faith because they're fucked up by faith mm-hmm. or they've moved to london or they've moved to israel if they wanted to be more so or or they've gone wherever you know so um the liverpool jewish community is but there were princes road which is my shore and then there was uh i don't know in which order but childwell allerton and Greenbank shawls which were all built i suppose around the maybe 1930s, 40s, pre-post-war, whereas ours was built in the late 18-something or others, you know. Anyway, they were all much of a muchness, apart from, I I now keep banging on about the building, but somehow, I don't know why, I'm I'm noticing it as I'm talking, I'm going, why are you so obsessed with the building? Mm. (laughs) Anyway, the others were more modern buildings, but the services were more or less the same, and those shawls were probably a bit more populated because they were in the areas where people were living, whereas Mm -hmm. the other one was in the area where people first arrived in Liverpool, lived, and it's been the same with various waves of immigration. So when I was young, um, that area had a lot of um, Indian and Pakistani people who were coming over after partition and so on. Um, Anyway, on and on and on. So it's sort of inner city. Um, But aside from that, they were all the same. And people would, you know, quite un- unbotheredly say which school they went to or which all the family were members of. And then there was the other one. <laughs> so um, the other one, um, uh, again, I'm not sure if it's liberal, progressive or reform, but it's non-orthodox. Yeah and it was taboo I knew which road it was on but -hmm. it was almost like that's where the the other shore is you know like I didn't know anyone who openly admitted to going there okay um that might just have been because I just didn't know anyone and you know it wasn't a relevant thing to talk about it's not like we spent all day talking about which shore we went to but I did know that, you know, oh, there's some people here that go to Chilwell and some, I didn't know anyone who said that they went to this other shore. So, (laughs) coming back to Nottingham, I visited the Orthodox shore, I understood the lay of the land, you know, I knew where to go, I knew how to behave, I recognised the the tunes of some of the, the psalms or hymns or whatever, I sort of understood more or less what the service was, you know, how the service was going, you know, it was very vague to me because I don't follow, but I'm sort of in some ways comfortable because it was known, but yes. uh, uncomfortable because it was so rejected, yes. you know, by me. And then I went to the other one <laughs> and in Nottingham, I don't know about back in, you know, if I'd have been growing up here, I doubt it because there's only one and one, you know, so In Liverpool, there were like these four, which was like the majority. And then this other little one in Nottingham. It's very different. So I went to the other one, the Liberal. I think it's called Liberal. And it was vibrant. Mm -hmm. It was a modern building. Um, Everyone sits together on fold out chairs. Um, They have women rabbis. I don't think they did when I first went, but they have recently just had one who's who's left. Um, Not for any particular reason. She's just moving on um women were involved in the service um a friend of mine you know i've I've been there when she uh sang the kol nidre which is to do with yom kippur i won't go into the details but you know that would not happen could not happen in the north Dock synagogue uh this same friend is a lesbian she's married she's married to someone who isn't jewish they're both involved with the shore mm-hmm. she's got two sons who are both involved with the shul and when they reach the age they might have already reached i don't know how old they are now will probably have bar mitzvah right. and they had name blessing ceremonies or something you know it's like it's so inclusive it so fits with my personal values mm-hmm. that i sort of felt at home but the service was just like i i, I don't know what's happening and why is mm-hmm. everyone sitting together even though i believe that That's correct. It's like it's just, you know, came away feeling very um, it's complicated. You know, people say their relationships, it's complicated. So, yeah, it was interesting. And since then, the people that I've met, mostly women, because I tend to hang out more with women, but I have a number of women friends, uh, lesbian and heterosexual, who are in some way um seeking that sort of communion or community um of being with other jewish people who attend or are members or whatever some just i attend from time to time or you know go if I'm invited i've been there about i don't know maybe 5 times in 30 years so i'm not a regular mm-hmm. not a member but those are the people i'm comfortable with yeah. you know yeah. and they um, they helped you. You talked earlier before we came on air, as it were, about seeking healing. So, in that way, I I, I keep playing with the idea of oh maybe I, maybe I could or should or whatever join the Liberal Shul in Nottingham, and I'm like, yeah, but you still don't want it, even though it's closer to who you are. Mm-hmm. You don't want. I I don't want. I don't want the religion, um, I don't want religion, any, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going like, oh, I'll become a Catholic instead, no, it's just not happening, hold on. So, currently, and this is very, very current, my mum died in December, as, as you're aware, yeah. and um, she was so scared in the last few years about dying, that she c- couldn't and wouldn't discuss it and wouldn't talk about what she wanted doing afterwards which actually uh, I'm over it now but I could be quite angry with her about because she left me with a whole host of decisions yeah and decisions making decisions is not my favorite activity it's not my friend no. so I've um at one point she said she uh, wanted to be uh, sedent out on a raft in flames like they do in the hindu okay. tradition in india about that, it wasn't it was a bit flippant but it wasn't hmm. holy you know there was an element of something there yeah
0: yeah
1: um she definitely didn't want to go to an old age home but if she, you know i mean she just didn't want to go to an old age home but the idea of the jewish old age home in liverpool was so abhorrent to her you know it's just like okay yeah so there was definitely in her an element of rejecting probably very similar things to what i reject Yes. Yeah. but the age that she grew up in the age she was the the, the personality she had you i think a very unconventional person mm-hmm. inside the um Uh, bounds of the conventionality of what she grew up in without the um, keyach is is a a Jewish word meaning strength but it usually means inner strength rather than lifting weights So, um, and you'll know the word chutzpah so she didn't have quite enough inner confidence, keyach, chutzpah to just go fuck off or to just go I don't want that anymore you know, I, I don't believe. And she she was very clear that she didn't believe anything happened after death, like death and done. Mm-hmm. Um. So when she died, the Jewish tradition, which I actually really like, is that we bury someone either that day or the next day yep. or as soon as possible. And I'm I'm good with that because for me it's like okay, the body is a physical carapace we put that in the ground and it starts its process of decomposition meanwhile the spirit or the, the 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 essence of that person that we love is still in the air it's still in my mind it's still in my heart mm-hmm. you know we carry it with us um obviously you can't see on a on a podcast but I'm wearing my mum's ring even yes. though I don't really like gold it was taken off her finger by the and he handed it to me and I was like what do I do? And I put it on my finger and I haven't taken it off. Yeah. You know, I'll sleep with it and everything. Um, around my neck, interestingly, I've got a um, little glass yeah. star of David, yes. which says hi on it, which means life. That's indeed. lovely. So that was bought in Venice. Mm-hmm. It's Murano glass. Then I've got three of her rings. Yeah. So... Um, they're just three different three different gold so there's a rose gold a yellow gold and a white gold ring um linked into each other mm-hmm. and i've got um the the hamsa and the the, the evil eye oh, just yeah. to top it off with a bit of i don't know more semitic rather than jewish or yeah. muslim it's a sort of eastern mm-hmm. thing we're moving because it's a long train
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay you can't really hear it on this side but I'm aware that you okay, can but I can
1: so I can't yeah. talk
0: um so
1: I, I buried her gave her a Jewish funeral and I'm now at a point of deciding on the wording for the headstone mm and um, deciding how to hold the stone setting ceremony. So whichever tradition you're from, you would normally, sorry, I've got hiccups. You'd normally get a rabbi to do it. Yes, The rabbi of the synagogue that you're a member of. So the rabbi did the service. It wasn't her rabbi. In fact, it was even more convoluted because she was very clear that she did not want to be buried in the cemetery that is sort of linked to the shul that she was a member of yeah even though she never went so she kept up her subscription um because it was too gloomy okay. so we had her buried in the other jewish synagogue uh, jewish cemetery which is where her parents are buried but it's connected to a different shul okay. so I had to bring in different people. But anyway, we don't know any of these people except that the guy that organises it happens to know, be friends with, whatever, my uncle. So in in most ways, it was done by a stranger, as as was the rabbi, was a stranger. So, you know, all this stuff when they, they talk about the person. Well, if you're a regular attender and you're, um, you know, regularly chat with the the priest or the vicar or the rabbi or whatever after services and whatever and they know you as a member of the community maybe you're busy with I don't know Sunday school or whatever they can talk about you very knowledgeably from themselves but mostly you know they often have to ask the family well you know they didn't really even know us so it was all a bit odd not odd just it didn't mean anything to me it was like we've put our body in the ground. The one thing that does mean something to me is um, a prayer. It's not even a prayer, I don't know what you'd call it. It's called the Mourner's Kaddish. I suppose it is a prayer called Mm. Kaddish. And it's got a particular rhythm to it. And it actually, doesn't talk about death at all, um, which I really like. Um, And because I didn't go through bar mitzvah and because women are sort of left out of things and whatever, I never got to know it. I I know it when I hear it. And I know a few of the little, a few little words and the places where you say amen and so on, but it doesn't readily come out of my mouth. Um, And when they, when I say they, like the rabbis, the religious people, the men Mm -hmm. say it, they run through it, you know, a bit like if you're with someone who doesn't speak English and you're singing happy birthday really fast Mm -hmm. because you do. And they kind of go, ha, ha, what, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> and then they clap at the end. <laughs> so, so setting out for this stone setting, I'm being very unconventional as it stands at the moment, this could all change. And I've been having a right dither about it mm. because I know there are people who would want it done properly in the Orthodox tradition. There are people who would want her hebrew name on the headstone she hated her hebrew name there's been an idea proposed that we put her english name into hebrew letters so normally would be the first name the hebrew name bat daughter of mm-hmm. aria labe was her father which i like because it means heart of a lion mm-hmm. and it's just and the sounds nice her hebrew name not even going to say it doesn't sound nice she hated it. I'm not putting on, a, on her headstone. Like, that's really clear. But now it's been brought into play that I could write Lillian, which was her English name, mm-hmm. in Hebrew letters, Lillian Bat Ariel mm-hmm. So I'm in a whole – I thought I'd resolved it. And then this cropped up as a possible idea. And I'm having to make decisions again and I've got until the end of this month to do so. (laughs) And then after that, I've still could at some point go, Oh, do you know what, I'm going to get someone to lead the ceremony. Because I do feel quite daunted by I've sort of set myself a, a challenge, not deliberately, but it has become now, it's a challenge. And the more that people intervene and do little things that really do me up and I, I won't go into names and who did what but things went on behind my back to find things out that they could have asked from me mm-hmm. but they didn't trust me enough to go jet i'd really like to know this because whatever i don't know mm-hmm.
0: so that things
1: went on very recently that infuriated me you know i've been raging <laughs> about it <laughs> Um, so I'm trying to I'm trying to find my weave my way between I don't want to act out of reaction and anger.
0: Yeah.
1: I want to act out of love for myself and the people who are living around me and respect and honour of my mum, who she was. I want to acknowledge her unconventionality that I feel didn't get a chance to fully be expressed yeah. at the same time you know she was who she was I can't change her into this person that was wholly unconventional because she did the things that she chose to do so the 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 the, the staying within the bounds of conventionality um is also part of her
0: yeah.
1: so I'm you know it's a very um foggy path that I'm trying to find my way down Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes I can I can can definitely feel all of the various tensions
1: and how much you were you you're prepared to um concede and say do you know what this isn't such a big deal and how much you like I'm digging my heels in so there's no way a Hebrew name is going on and my brother's very happy with that decision mm. um my aunt's very happy with that decision um but then leaving off her name in Hebrew altogether I know is going to upset some people so I'm trying to find out am I doing it as a fuck you because they have behaved not terribly well mm. um, some people um or am I doing it because I really do believe that is how my mum would have chosen given that she's not here to ask, and even when she was here to ask, she wouldn't have that conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, and it's something that 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 I feel quite passionate about, actually, is encouraging people to have those conversations with their friends, family, loved ones, whoever's around them, yeah. well in advance of the event actually happening, because it's awesome. incredibly stressful for families yeah, to is be in the midst of mourning and grieving and then have to make all these decisions about you know and when their head isn't you know like you're not in a place to make decisions when you're grieving
1: and that is one of the things that I really like about a Jewish funeral like you literally I literally picked up the phone I'd spoken to the guy like about a year before because we knew that it was coming close and I knew that she didn't want to be in the Princes Road Shaw Cemetery. So I'd had to find out, is this even possible and how to do it? So I was primed. So the day came and I literally picked up the phone. He answered and he's like, okay, fine. And um, normally, non-COVID times, um, her body would have been taken to, as it happens, the Jewish old age home. But that's where they do a particular... Um
0: they prepare the body, you for-
1: know, they prepare the body. It's called tahara, yeah. and it's done by men, men are done by men, women are done by women, and the women who do it know what they're doing, and they're you know that's what they do. I think they do it as, as volunteers or whatever. And you know, we don't get dressed up um to be buried, we go in as plainly as possible. Um we don't go naked, we usually have just a very plain shroud there's no seams there's no pockets there's no buttons like you you go into the afterworld or you know (laughs) you go out the same way you came in with nothing and it's a way you know like you've got a pocket then it's sort of like it's inferring that you're carrying something with you you know jewels or whatever so you don't you know very different to the Egyptian pharaohs for example Um, fortunately she had a very plain creamy white linen um shift dress that had almost no um embellishments on it and um, don't think it had pockets but anyway it was the best we could do and it, it gave my mum's carers the opportunity to do what they had previously already said they'd like to offer to do which was to prepare her body mm-hmm. um so in that way that was also quite nice that she didn't have to go through a jewish thing with strange women obviously she's gone (laughs) you know there's nothing to do with her anymore but the women who had cared for her for the last year were like they'd already said oh when the time comes we'd you know we'd like to prepare the body and and said oh that's not going to happen and they were fine with it and then in the end they got to do that so But yeah, the undertakers came, they they have a very, very plain coffin, it's just pine with string uh, rope handles, no fancy blah-de-blahs, no lead as far as I know, you know, it's like get the body decomposing as soon as possible and they just came in and I didn't go in the room while they were doing it but they took the rings off and they put the body in the coffin. And they closed the coffin, and they wheeled it out and carried it out. And the next time I saw it, we were at the cemetery. So all the stuff you're talking about, making decisions, Mm -hmm. thank fuck I didn't have to do that. (laughs) You know, it was just like a phone call. And then the whole little process, and it's a very little process, happened. Um, But this, this is something else. All the stuff around the stone, what's put on it who gets to say what you can put on it and whose opinion you listen to so so that everyone comes with their own way of looking at it and for me to find my own way i felt so alone with it Mm -hmm. so in terms of being fucked up by faith that also plays a part in it it's like there are all these people that have varying ways of being jewish some it's absolutely none at all and they really don't like to be identified some you know maybe a little bit older than me grew up like you don't tell anyone you're jewish because it's not safe because their parents you know were very much around in the time of the of the war and the holocaust and some are still quite religious so we all we all do being jewish differently and I find that quite fascinating, but I'd find it more fascinating if I wasn't in the middle of it and having to make (laughs) (laughs) decisions.
0: It is fascinating, and what's, I mean, I'm interesting and fascinating to me, is, and I'm always struck by how little the wider society in this country actually knows about Jewish people, Jewish culture, the Jewish faith. Mm -hmm. Um, despite the fact that you know there's quite a significant population of jewish people um, and there always has been it's not you know it's not just a thing no
1: so that's the other thing like if you tell people that you're jewish they've got a, a very narrow band of what they think being jewish is and so that also makes it kind of hard to just because i get so much about you know if someone says to me I'm not Christian. I get exactly where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And if I meet a Jewish person who says, um, I was brought up Jewish, but I'm fully secular now, or I don't, I, I took, I, I, someone said to me and it's common, I'm Jew ish. Yes. <laughs> or yes. I grew up in a Jewish household yeah. or I'm from a Jewish background. You know, there is sort of the subtleties of how people say those things that I read, you know, I can read completely. I get it.
0: I think there's something also significant which you kind of hi- highlighted at the beginning of our conversation, and I think it's probably true of of um, some other religions as well. And I'm talking about in this country where yeah. you, it's very unlike people who come out of a Christian tradition. It's 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 more difficult to disentangle yourself from the cultural, the heredity. Of it, and therefore you're still identified as Jewish, and therefore those that the the undertones of anti-Semitism, you're you're still very much affected by those, whether you are religious or not.
1: Um, Oh, completely. And and you know, I and I'm not alone. So identify as being like I'm proud to be a Jew. Um, it took me a while to go from Jewish to being a Jew because that feels really strong, like yeah. Um, yeah. almost aggressive or, I don't know, a bit like in your face. Whereas people say I'm a Muslim, it doesn't mean anything, I'm a Christian. It's like, no, I'm a Jew um, and I'm not religious. In fact, I'm anti-religious and people's head you see people's heads <laughs> sort of exploding like, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's really important to me that I'm Jewish. I don't hide it. I mean, if we had another Nazi regime, I, I would probably hide it. You know, who wants to be killed? Mm-hmm. But, well, that, that's a big part yes. of it, actually, because I've also met people who say, um, well, I'm Jewish because, you know, if Hitler came around again tomorrow, I'd be in the he oven. You would think you were another. Jewish, and that, that makes it really, really important, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and for me, in a way, more important to stand up and say... Actually, yeah. I'm proud, mm. not just like, mm, they're going to get me. But you know what? I like being Jewish. I like I, I like, I my history. I like my culture. I don't like the religion. I don't have to. I can still be Jewish.
0: Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. So what I ask um, my guests to do is to, to share something, as to finish a poem or a blessing, or a prayer, or...
1: I haven't thought about that. Did you say that in your invitation?
0: I did, Did. but if you don't have anything, that's
1: fine. No, no, but actually... um, So this is a song by Leonard Cohen, and I'm just going to read the lyrics as as he's written them. I'm not going to sing it. Night comes on. I went down to the place where I knew she lay waiting under the marble and the snow. I said, mother, I'm frightened. The thunder and the lightning. I'll never come through this alone. She said, I'll be with you, my shawl wrapped around you, my hand on your head when you go. And the night came on. It was very calm. I wanted the night to go on and on. But she said, go back, go back to the world. I'll I'll leave it there because it's, it's enough. There's several more verses.
0: Mm. It's beautiful. Thank you. Isn't
1: it? I mean, he's, he's something else. <laughs> he was.
0: Yes. He is indeed quite a poet.
1: Probably, as things stand, the bit of poetry that I want to read at my mum's stone setting. Mm. Because yeah. when someone dies, like you were talking about grief, which I don't know if I'm experiencing well obviously I am in some form or another but you do have to go back to the world yeah. right you can't just sit in the cemetery forever and ever
0: no no that's beautiful and, uh, yeah i think that will be a fitting tribute
1: yeah thank you
0: thank you jet wonderful conversation
1: thank you to, well conversation or like a monologue but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you know me
0: you've been listening to fucked up by faith with me jude mills our music is by david goodall and you can find the podcast on spotify and all major podcast channels if you would like to take part in the podcast or you know someone who would be an awesome guest please do get in touch you can do that via my website judemills.com forward slash podcast and i look forward to hearing from you go well